Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting along with Bruce Kelly. We are talking today to Knut Rosted, president of the Institute for Fiduciary Standard. How you doing, Knut? I'm doing great, uh, Bruce. It's Fiduciary September. Life can't get much better. Uh, well, my name is Jeff, and Bruce is I'm also Bruce. here, but I, oh, I, I know oh, you know that. Come on, Knut. We talked. Well, tons we'll see. Of time. We'll see. You guys. You guys don't have your. You guys don't have your pretty faces out there. So I can't. I, I can't see who's talking. <laughs> So there you go. There's okay, my- well, I'm, I'm the one without the New York accent, all right? <laughs> <laughs> there okay. you go. Fair enough. Fair so, Canute, this is Fiduciary September, christened by you. Uh, I know you've had a lot of stuff on your agenda this month, and there's still some stuff to go. Can you give us a kind of a quick recap of what uh, what you've uncovered and exposed and talked about so far? Uh, we have 10 panels this month and over 30 speakers. We say it's the largest annual national conversation on the importance of fiduciary. Uh, and, and we have we started off about talking about the status of advice and the, and the status of Reg BI uh, with some very well-known experts and uh, to, give, to give their uh, views on it. It is, as, as uh, we have heard before, uh, generally a pretty dismal view of the status of Reg BI, uh, sort of setting the, setting the bar uh, uh, fairly low. Um, we, we've also focused a bit on the, the state of what's happening in the world of the Financial Planning Association, FPA, uh, with their announcement of leaving the coalition and, and their announcement also seeking uh, title protection. Uh, so we, we've had a we've had a panel on that, um, and uh, uh, we you know we and what I'm particularly proud of uh, we got together three of the FPA executives, uh, uh, and you guys are veterans of 18 or 20 years ago to talk about the case against the SEC and what it what it meant then and what it means today, and the one of the interesting part of it and because you guys are in the business of writing the first draft of history is the extent to which that historical uh, event has uh, been lost, it seems, within the FPA. So that was particularly good. And then next week, I'll just mention, we've got a group of wonderfully talented uh, millennial financial planners talking about their view of the future of financial planning. Knut, are you referring to the Merrill Lynch lawsuit? Yes, yes. Yeah, could you just give a little color? about that just to, and when when it happened i think it was 2005 or 2006 or something it, it was initiated in 2004 it was decided in 2007 it was initiated after years of discussion within fpa being very very uh, aware of so the fpa sued who I, i'm sorry i'm sorry yes the fpa sued the securities and exchange commission right. um uh over the so-called their, merrill lynch rule the so-called merrill lynch rule because the sec allowed uh, 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 dual registrants, advisors to, uh, excuse me, they, they, they allowed brokers to, uh, uh, to have uh, assets under management without having to register as investment advisors. Right. That was sort of the gist of it. And uh, anyway. Um, and it, FPA it was, was saying was, no fair. FPA was saying no fair. Right. FPA was saying that you have, you know, that you violated uh, your, your own rules. And um, so that was started in 2004. Uh, the, uh, the conventional wisdom was that FPA had gone had gone mad. 
they were crazy uh, because uh, not just because you're challenging the F the SEC, but because uh, the status quo. But, you know, come March 2007, uh, guess what? They win. That was huge. It was absolutely huge. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, anyway, yes, it, it, what it is, it, it is huge. It's it, and it's been by some by some anecdotes sort of largely forgotten within the world of FPA of all places. Huh. And so, and so, Dan Moison, uh, um, Elizabeth Jetton, and Dave Yeski were were delighted to talk about what they went through as FPA presidents to sort of bring this bring this to fruition. And so that's that's what that was about. Hey, Canute, um, I want to go back to something you just said in your little recap about dismal view on Reg Bi. What? <laughs> let, let, let's. Uh, Let's hear about your dismal. what you see as the dismal view. Dismal view, um, and, and dismal view may be overstating the positive side. Um, and this, and this is this is what I mean. And because you guys have been observing this for for at least a couple of decades, you appreciate how long this this uh, ongoing battle about uh, about standards and fiduciary and 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 and, and suitability has been. And uh, what one of the things I've tried to do in this fiduciary September is to focus attention on the last four years, uh, starting from when Reg BI was proposed, and then and then even more specifically over the last six months, where we see the new SEC acting on Reg BI, and uh, that that's where I uh, that's where uh, I, I say that I I don't think the I don't think the independent RIAs are fully aware of how bad the situation is, how much the 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 uh, the practice and principle of fiduciary is under assault, um, and how much it's threatened, and um, uh, so th that's that's what I think we've we have learned over the last four years, and and and, and how has is it come threatened? To, um, it is threatened um, fiduciary as a word and concept. Um, is literally being erased. We like to say that the that the lines between fiduciary and suitability have been erased. I say no. That's using somebody else's language, and that does not fully state what's happened. And what uh, because it just says that the line is gone, and it, it implies that fiduciary is still here in the context in the view of the SEC. And and I I say that if you look at what the SEC has done uh, with Reg BI. And how it has it has commingled the two notions, and then what the uh, you know since 2018, and then what the SEC has done in the last six months. The SEC, you know, to literally, uh, to literally, effectively ban the word from fiduciary from their most prominent and championed disclosure, um, you know, uh, says a great deal. And uh, but the SEC staff did that, and they did it proudly, and they did it forcefully. And the SEC commissioners uh, did not uh, publicly uh, uh, have any problem with that. That's a major deal. And uh, you know, it's when did that happen, and how did that happen, Canute? That that happened by, uh, by how the SEC staff approached. This uh, this disclosure called form CRS, and how they approached it was, you know, we got a big problem out there because investors are confused, 
uh, and which is a whole other topic on its own. And one way to make them less confused is to tell them that broker dealers and investment advisors are the same. That's literally what they have done with Form CRS. So um, uh, in doing that, uh, uh, when you look at the prescribed language on Form CRS, what you see is identical uh, descriptions of broker dealers and, and investment advisors and uh, at the first level. And when they first came out with this, we started doing some research on it and we, and we expressed a view that, uh, you know, that, that even with the prescribed language, investment advisors could still follow the rules set out by the SEC and get the word fiduciary in this disclosure. Now, I want to preempt one question. Everybody says, what's the big deal, Canute? Nobody reads the disclosures. And if they do read them, they don't understand what fiduciary means. And I say, you're missing the larger point. And the larger point is, first of all, this is a two-page disclosure that actually could be good because it's so brief, A. And B, this is not a one-off situation. This is a continuation of where the SEC has been marching since 2009, in my view, and uh, to harmonize the standards without saying they're harmonizing the standards. And so the easiest way to do it is just to do what they've done now and say that you can't use the word um, in your form CRS. And that's, that is what they have done. And when you look at form CRS and you try to figure out what's the difference between a broker dealer that exists to distribute product or, dis, or exists to, to trade securities, as opposed to an investment advisor that exists to provide fiduciary advice, uh, th that difference has been erased. It has been erased. So I, I, conclude, I conclude that they are effectively erasing fiduciary in word and meaning from the, from the uh, regulatory vocabulary uh, and, and uh, significance. Hey, Canute, if you're ever going to get any headway or progress that you are, you are satisfied with, uh, along the lines of fiduciary, um, wouldn't it be with this SEC chaired by Gary Gensler with Barbara Roper on his senior staff? Well, well, Jeff, you you uh, uh, you are telling my stories. So Eighteen months ago, I wrote an op-ed saying how how unique and positive uh, Gary Gensler is as a candidate for that job. Because A, he probably is the smartest guy in the room. B, he has demonstrated in his prior job that he doesn't care what Wall Street thinks. And B, and C, uh, he probably, well, he, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, he probably doesn't want to go back to Wall Street and go back to MIT where he was. So he, he's, yes, your, your point is exactly well taken. And that's the, that is a point that, that uh, has not been uh, uh, fully appreciated by independent RIAs. And that is... You know, if we can't get any improvement in under this SEC, uh, you know, what does that mean? And I think the answer to that question is uh, is what gets me back to being dismal, uh, because this is the, this is the SEC that should have been able to do it. This is the SEC that that goes back to you know, I think I think you've got to go back to Levitt in his early days before we had an SEC that was even interested and understood these sorts of things. Is it maybe time to? refocus your efforts around fiduciary advice well, yeah, there's there's no doubt it's time to to uh to reevaluate uh what needs to happen in order to preserve protect and defend f fiduciary yes and and in that context I, you know i think the first thing is uh, quietly leave the field on the federal level by acknowledging that you know it is virtually wasted time 
it is virtually wasted, uh, virtually wasted energy. Uh, a, B, to to take a hard look at what is happening in the states, because there we have regulators that actually understand and actually appreciate what fiduciary means, and that C, even beyond that, to recognize that if the idea of becoming a profession uh, is real, that um, uh, you know, forget any of the regulators and acknowledge that it's going to come from the leaders themselves to uh, to make it happen. Just the way you know, if we look at the background of the AICPA, the accounting profession, for one, you know, uh, no one no one looked to regulators to start out all that. Uh, but over time, all 50, all fifty states have. Uh, well, I want I want to ask you about the state by state issue. Yeah. Um, could uh, is there a, a blueprint there for something that could be done at the federal level? I mean, we're talking about fifty different. No, uh, right, but but you know, but I I I I question I I don't agree with the premise from the other side that says, oh my goodness, we can't do this state by state because then we've got fifty sets of rules, and I say, uh, hello. Uh, 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 what happened when the doctors did it? What happened when the lawyers did it? I mean, uh, you know, so on that level, this is a that is a pretty superficial uh, and and thin sort of objection to it. Uh, if if you're serious about becoming a profession, if you're not serious about becoming a profession, sure, uh, spend you know spend all your time running around Washington, spend all your time visiting people who don't want to see you except to be able to check off the box. Literally, and I, I wish some of our folks would appreciate this, that the people they see on the Hill who disagree with them, they have no interest in what they have to say. They have interest in checking off a box so they can go back to their boss and say, yeah, I listened to these folks. We met with these folks, but that's all. I mean, and and that's what the last 15 years tells us. And if you want, if, you know, if if we can learn anything from the last 15 years, you know, it was March 2007, as you guys know, that to me was the high point. You know, March 31 is when that Merrill Lynch rule came down. And from then on, it's been essentially downhill. And if we've learned anything, it should be that the time and effort and resources in Washington are largely, uh, largely wasted. And that that needs to be the first recognition. You know, I think it's like the 12 steps. The first the first step is to recognize there's a problem and what the problem is. Well, well, hearing that time and effort in Washington is largely wasted to me that that's that's not even news. Come right. on, Canoe. You, no, you well, well, it's one. not news. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I agree, but but look at what the organizations are doing. Look at what right. the associations are doing. And you know, yes, you're right. You're right. I believe that it's not news. But you know, don't tell that to to the to the organizations that are spending right. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars lobbying in some fashion. Right. Or another. Well, I. You know, I was being a little bit glib there. Oh, right. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> Don't take me too literally most of the time. All right, never but mind. I do, I do want to ask you. We're kind of we're kind of wrapping up here in a, in a quick hit call with you, Canute. But uh, what to me, the more I hear about all this stuff, and I don't follow it as closely as our colleague Mark Sheff, or certainly not as closely as you do, Canute. But you know, this Reg BI fiduciary, it just becomes so much noise that sound and I say this all the time it just sounds like inside baseball and it's all designed to get consumers on board with some kind of a belief that you know advisors and brokers are you know uh, careful and thoughtful and deliberate professionals that are trying to help them manage their financial lives um how how does this 
advance anything, all of this fighting over some standards that people can still say, they can say they adhere to, but they can still break the law. Right. I'm just wondering, it seems like so much energy over over what? Well, I, I think you know, you, you've just reframed it or tilted the picture a little bit, Jeff. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think we're I think we're saying similar things. Uh, it, it is it, it, it ought to be understandable to the independent RIAs who who are real fiduciaries that this is a waste of time uh, largely. And that when you mentioned the investors, of course, that's something that is usually left out of this whole uh, whole picture. It is that, you know, they, they've already left the field. They've already determined that that generally. Uh, you, you know, generally Wall Street, generally anything coming from from that from that place uh, is to be uh, uh, is to be worried about at the very best. And I know, you know, you know listen, uh, advisor, uh, excuse me, investors say they they trust their advisor, and and there's that there's that uh, dimension too. But uh, but I think I think your I think your basic premise is is correct, uh, and that serious fiduciary advisors. Uh, need to recognize that they are going to make it happen. One little anecdote, and I know we're down to a few seconds, one little anecdote. To see the energy and passion in the field of, of flat fees and fixed fees it, you know, is, uh, that we are seeing right now on social media and we see right now in terms of the smaller firms uh, growing, uh, it, you know, it takes me back to the early days of NAPFA. They had a new idea uh, it was it was driven by investors as opposed to Wall Street, and uh, it was it was a, a way of getting a message out that prior to the early 1980s it wasn't wasn't getting out. So I think that's that's well. Important. I just want to say since you reference fees, there we're, we're uh, I want to tell our audience September 20th at 3 p.m. Eastern time I'll be I'll be moderating a panel in fiduciary September on uh, debate over fixed flat or hourly or hourly or AUM fees. So, so tune into that. Uh, Bruce, as we, as we kind of wrap here, any final thoughts or questions for Canute? Yeah, just real quickly, Canute, thanks for coming on. If you're going to focus on the states, is there, are there any states, you know, just off the top of your head real quickly, who would be more amenable to tightening up their fiduciary standards for investment well, advice? Well, uh, just, Based on what we've seen over the last three to five years, Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, uh, Nevada have been uh, more—I uh, more, don't say most active—have been active in more active in doing that. And 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 I think from the uh, from what we see from other individual states, uh, there's certainly more legitimate promise that they that they could follow suit as well. Uh, so, uh, so, so there is a reason for optimism, uh, from looking at the States. I think absolutely. Okay. That's great. Thanks very much. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the time. I appreciate your interest. Hey there, everybody. It launches every Monday. That means it's time for another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest, Knut Rostad, the head of the Institute of the for the Fiduciary Standard. We also want to thank our producer, Angelica Hester. You can find the podcast, of course, at investmentnews.com, uh, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. You can reach out to Jeff on Twitter via his handle, at Benji Ryder. My handle is at BD News Guy. Stay tuned. We'll be talking to you next week. 